This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com So, we're going to start off with the Bnei Sascha in Chodesh Iyar, talking about Chodesh Iyar, a little bit about Svira, a little bit about Lag Boimer. So he says the following, first of all, you need to know, most people don't know this, in the month of Iyar, Hischel Hamon Liyarad, the Mon began to fall, was called Lechem Abirim that, uh, why is it called Lechem Abirim? because this bread was absorbed in our Averim, in our limbs you got no sickness and you got no pain from eating and no waste, you didn't go to the bathroom All, as long as they ate the man, they didn't go to the bathroom because the man was pure holy, there was no there was no psilus in it right? this is because it says so we find that in this month there's a special power to heal all the sick people. Arkane, Nisha Teva Kaim school of Rufua. The school of this month is for a Rufua. Okay, so that's one. Then he says that the month of Er, Aleph Yud Yud Reish, stands for Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel. And these are the four Ragli Hamarkava, the four legs of the, of the Markava, the, um, Wagon, the chariot that Yecheskel saw, you know, Hakarish Baruch Hawan. Actually, Yecheskel says that Hakanol the Torah, and this is a very important, very important um, statement. He says this month is a preparation for getting the Torah because the keli, the vessel, for a person to be able to retain and be connected to his Torah is what? Anyone here know what? What's the vessel? Without that, you can't contain um, what you learn. Midos, shalom, midos. That's the, that's the. Um, and he says, therefore, the mitzvah of it's very interesting that the Yisroska says this. That the avos came before we got the Torah. How come the avos didn't get the Torah? Right? They kept the Torah. They didn't. They weren't, Hashem didn't give them the Torah. They didn't have to keep the Torah. Is because the avos set the midos. Abraham Avinu was Chesed. Yitzchak was Gvura. Um, Yaakov was MS, right? So all these things had to be set in place before uh, Rachel Yimeinu was the opposite of Kinnah. She wasn't jealous of her sister. She gave her the secret code. She says, ER, right? This month of ER that we're in right now has to be a prefix to getting the Torah. Therefore, he says, I came in and I made That's why we start learning Mesechta's Avais and we start right after Pesach and the first one through six is from Pesach to Shuas. So from Pesach to Shuas, you learned Avais, you changed, you worked on your Midas because that's, that's why it's called, he says that that's why it's called Avais. He says, because all the Midas and Chasidis in this Mesechta are what we learn from the Maisa Avais of our forefathers. Okay. Now, he goes into Laibon. There's a Mishnah, very, very fascinating. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, in Perik Beis, right? I think last week was Perik Beis? Yeah. I think so, right? Perik Beis. And the Mishnah says the following. Chamisha Talmidnu Hayu, Rav Yechenem Ben Zakeh. Rav Yechenem Ben Zakeh was a Talmud of Rabbi Akiva, right? I think so. I'm not sure. I think so. Anyway, I'm not sure. I think so. Um, so, Chamisha Talmidim, Hayyurav Yochim and Zaka, he had five Talmidim. The Elohim, Rabbi Elizabeth Horkinus, 
Yeshua Mechanania, of Yosef Akoyan, of Shimon Benishan, of Lesbon Arach. Okay? And and he goes on and he says, Amalehem, Tzuru Ezehu Derech Tavishibakwa Aydam. What? If I'm saying, what is the best, what do you need to, to, to go through your life, right? The best way, the best way, according to Torah, <coughs> what should you seek? What's, what's the main thing that you should seek? Rabbi Elazar Aymer, Ayin Taiva. You should have a good eye. It doesn't mean when they pitch to you the baseball, right? A good eye means that when you look at something, you always find the good in it. You, know, you can always find bad in something, you always find good in something. Person who walks around and he always finds good in something. Rabbi Yeshua Aimer, Chavatai. Rabbi Yeshua says, You want to make it through life? You got to have a good friend. If you hang out with good people, you'd be a good person. You don't hang out with good people, it's not going to happen. Rabbi Yaisi Aimer, Rabbi Yaisi says, Shachain Tov. You need to have a good, a good neighbor, even if you have a good friend, but the person who you live by, the Shechuna, that you live are bad people. That's why Abraham Avinu wouldn't go to Sodom, right? They're bad people. It's going to have an effect on you. If Shimon Aimer, if Shimon says, Haraya Sanaylad, it's huge. Consequence. Seeing the future. In other words, it doesn't mean seeing the future. It doesn't mean you're becoming a Navi. A person who lives on consequence. That's the big problem with our teenagers today. It's like, you know, just do it. Like Nike. There's no, there's no, there's no consequence. Just do it. Whatever you feel like doing, do it, right? So that, he says, if you want to live life the right way, you got to think every action has a reaction. What I'm going to do, how is that going to affect the world? Okay? Rabbi Elazar Amar Leiftoiv. Elazar says, you got to have a good heart. It doesn't mean a healthy heart. It means that, that it's even more than an ayin, because ayin is external. What I see is external. What's in my heart is internal. So Leif Tov is internalizing good. Not just seeing good, but the good, but really, you know, sometimes people say, yeah, yeah, I see good, I see, I see the good in him. But in their heart, they're like, but I don't like him anyway, right? Leif Tov means you internalize it. Also, it's a little bit of a deeper meaning. An eye is an organ, right, that affects your vision. A heart affects your whole body. It pumps blood to every organ in your body, to your eyes, to your ears, to everything. To, to everything. So the heart, the heart is a good heart means that the person is a good person and he and he looks at things and in and, 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 and the right way and he, his feelings his, his emotions are healthy right and he always finds the good in things in his heart he internalizes it that's what Leif Tov means he internalizes it right then that's the best thing okay so we have five we have four we have Ayin Tov a good eye good friend good neighbor Consequence. I love this Mishnah. And a good heart. Okay. Om Alehem. So the Rebbe said, The best answer of all five of you is Rebbe Lozim and Arach. Why? Because if you have a good heart, you're a good guy, you have a good heart, then you're going to have good friends. And you're going to have good neighbors because you're not going to go somewhere where there's bad people. So you don't want to be part of that. And you will definitely know about consequence because one of the things of consequence is Akarasato. One of the things of consequence is that, that, you have, that you have appreciation. The consequence that I breathe, that appreciation gives me breath. That I can taste things. If someone does me something good, I appreciate it. So Akarasato 
right? A karsatov is consequence. So, if a person has a good heart, of course, when you do me a favor, I'm going to say thank you, and I'm going to always, it's always going to bother me how I'm going to pay you back, right? So he definitely has, he's going to have good friends, he's going to have good neighbors, he's going to have a good eye, and he's going to have, he's going to be able to, consequence, and he's going to have a good heart. So he says, I see in his answer, I don't see in I in having a good eye, I don't see having a good heart. I don't see in seeing consequence, Right, you might be just very mature, you see consequence. It doesn't mean you have a good heart. Because you have a good friend, maybe he has a good heart. You're miserable. He's a good guy, but you're miserable. Right? And, and, and living in a good neighborhood means your neighbors might be great, but you might be a miser, you might also be miserable. So he says, but a person who has a good heart, it includes everything. Does everyone here agree with that? Does everyone here understand that? Right? You're a good person. There are people who are just good people. And then, you know, Rapam was like, you spoke to him, you just felt, just felt good. My speaker, Rebbe, used to go to, no matter what you walked in, no matter what pain, what problems you were having, you walked out, you just felt good. It was just a good person. Wave type. So that person has an iron type. Of course, he looks at you, iron type, he's a chavit type, he's a shachit type. They're all included. Okay. Now, what does that have to do with anything? So, very, very fascinating. This has to do with like Bomer, this Mishnah. So the, B'nai Yisachka says the following These kind of shirim you got to have notes Because you'll never remember what I'm saying This is what he, is what he says He says the following Okay, so where did they Where did all these five Tamidim look? He said go out and look Right? And come back and tell me what's the best way a person should live Good eye, good friend, right? Where did they get this from? Where did they look? So where do you look? The first place to look is in the Chumash. Where's the first place in the Chumash? In Mauritius. It's where the Chumash starts, right? That's where they went to look. So this is how they came to their answers. So he says the following. Rabbi Eliezer, so he was the first one. So he looked, he said, like, eh, let's see, we're looking for something good. My Rabbi said we should look for something good. What's connected to good? The word toiv. Right? Toiv is good. Where does the Prophet say toiv? Let's take a look. So it says the following. Right? That's a Pasidalad. The first time you see the word Taiv. Hashem saw the light that it was good. Now, what was the Mida over here? What did Hashem do over here that was good? He saw. Oh, must be the way that a person should live his life is Ayin Taiva. Because the first time he says Taiv, it's together with the word Rayar. So he was first. So he said, okay. It must be Ayin Taiva. So Yeshua came next. And he saw that it said in the Pasuk, Chayshech, Chayshech and the darkness was on the Sahayim. And Hashem said there should be light, right? And he saw that the light was good. So he translated it, Aha! Um, these two guys hung out together. Look at the Pasuk. Right? Uh, now Hashem said you are. So the R and the Choshech became Chaverim. There was darkness and there was light. And Hashem said Kitov. That's good. Light and dark. Not just darkness. So he said That must be that what you should learn from the first Subsukim. So that's what he said. He said Chavetayim. Rabbi Yaisi said no. It says, Vayalokim Mitzar Kitov, Vayavdel Elokim Ben Aaron Ben Achoshech. Hashem made a separation 
So they're not mixed together, they're not chaverim, but they're neighbors. When the darkness ends, the light starts. When the light ends, the darkness starts. So they live right next to each other. Darkness and light, they live right next to each other. So he said, chaver tov. I mean, shachin tov. Okay. So then, along came Rav Shimon, and Rav Shimon said, what are you making so many drushes? Light, dark, seeing. The bottom line, what does it say? It says, Vayalokim Esa'arkito, right? Because Bokhu saw that the light is good. That's Haroyas Hanayla. He saw that what he created was going to be good. So what do you make? Don't make all these drushes. What's good? It says, Vayakito, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So that's Haroyas Hanayla. So he said, I see from this Pasuk, each guy learned something else from this Pasuk, they didn't get past this. Right? I see that Hashem saw in the future it's going to be good. Right? Now, Rabbi Lozah ben Arach said, this is unbelievable. So where did he get his life type from? Where did he get, this is only, this has to be Ruch HaKodesh. This is pure Ruch HaKodesh. When I, when I learned this, I was like, wow. So, okay, this is all good. Eyes, Hashem saw it was good. Right? Shachain Tov, they're next to each other. Light, and then the dark, and then the dark, and the light. Very nice, right? Chaber Tov, it was only darkness, Hashem gave him a friend, gave him light, right? So he, he made a, he, he gave him a friend. Royas Anoilad, Bayarki Tov, Hashem saw it's going to be good. There's no mention of heart. Where is he going to find in these two Leif Tov. There's nothing here about a heart. Seeing, right? You ready for this? Check this out. Here we go. Bereshis bara elokim es hashemayim the es haaretz haaretz haisa sayu uvayu. All right, I I'll, you don't have to do it with my fingers. The bottom line is, if we count the words, Bereshis is one, bara is two, elokim is three, es is four, hashemayim is five, the es is six, haaretz is seven. Ra'aretz, I'm just I'm reading the Pasuk. Ra'aretz is 8, Haisa is 9, Tayu is 10, Uvayu is 11, Bechoshek is 12, Al is 13, Pene is 14, Toham is 15, Beruach is 16, Elokim is 17, Merachephes is 18, Al is 19, Pene is 20, Hamayim is 21, Bayomer is 22, Elokim is 23, Yehi is 24, Or is 25, Bayhi is 26, Or is 27, Bayar is 28, Elohim is 29, S is 30, Ha'ar is 31, T is 32. 32, we all know, spells the word Lev. What's the next word? Tav. The 33rd word in the Torah is the word Tav. So there are 32 words before the word Tav. So he said, it's only B'nai Saskha. So he said, what? So he said, Lev, Toiv, the first 32 words, and the next word is Toiv, Lev, Toiv. Now, what did his Rebbe, what did Rebbe Yechanan say? He said, all the other ones are included in what he said, because they're all before that. They're all included until Vayakito. So they're all in there. So his includes them all. Now, What's the 33rd word? Toiv. 33rd word is Toiv. That's Lagbaim. That's Lagbaim. Lagbaim is the 33rd. Right? 
Lagba Omer, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, the Kedusha of Lagba Omer, which is Rav Shimon Bayechoi's Yorzeit, right? Hilula includes all the Kedusha in the world. All the Kedusha. I mean, anyone who knows Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon, why everybody goes like Bayechoi, he brought down the secrets of the Zaya, the secrets of the whole Torah that was Nistar, the toy, the the the, the, the toy that was brought down into this world that Rav Shimon Rav Shimon brought down in this world is on the word thirty three, which is toy, which is log. On top of that, the lights that were hidden, right? That in this whole thing of Hashem thought it was kitay. That was the 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 or haganos, the hidden light, which nothing died, nothing rotted. Um, it was the light of uh, the light of Mashiach. Adam can see from one side of the world to the other. So it says, "Harayas Hanayla." Hashem saw that the Rishonim are going to use this light because they're not going to die, right? So they're going to be able to do Averis their whole whole thing. So Kodesh Baruch Hu took away. It only lasted Lamed Vav Shas. It only lasted for thirty six hours. Hashem took that light. It's called the Arhaganas, and He took it back to the other world until Mashiach comes. That light can't be here because as long as that light's on the world. Everything lives forever. That's called the Arhaganos, and those Lamed Vav those Lamed Vav lights come back to the world on Hanukkah. Because if you if you count up the neiros of the Hanukkah Menorah, one plus the next night two plus the next night three plus the next, right, but it, it comes out to thirty six without the shamas. So it comes out to thirty six. So that's the uh, that's the kedusha, the unbelievable kedusha of um, of of, of which is coming up, right? It's called the Oirai. Mashiach, and he says, So, Lagba Omer is like really very, very serious time. It's a very, um, very, very holy time. And Bezrat Hashem, I hope to be there for Lagba Omer, Hashem. You know my story, Rav Shemaychai, right? I told it to you a few years ago what happened to me. Huh? No, 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 with my knee, with my legs. So, I went to Rabbi Shimei and I said, I asked, when I went, I went on Lagba Omer, and I said that if you, I daven, I said, if it comes true what I'm asking for, it was a very special thing, to come through this year, I will go every year, there's Rat Hashem that I can, I will go to Lagba Omer, I will go to Rabbi Shimei And two years ago, the plane, I couldn't get a ticket, and it was expensive, and it wasn't on Shabbos, it was in the middle of the week, and even though I made that sort of ned there, um, I decided I'm not going. I decided I'm not going. Two weeks before I logged home, I'm on the treadmill, and I was doing really well in those days, I lost a lot of weight. I was doing five miles every morning, no problem, five miles on the treadmill every morning, an hour and ten minutes, geschmack. I was lifting weights after that. It was like really a good stretch. And I'm running on the treadmill. Not running. I'm walking fast. I'm walking five miles an hour. It's pretty fast. But um, all of a sudden, one of my legs, I feel like a snap. But I wasn't running and I wasn't jumping. And um, I went to the doctor the next day. And it was a stress fracture in the bone. So it's not like it cracks this way. It cracks this way. It cracks vertically. And you can't even put it in a uh, in a cast because it's not that the bone cracked in half. It's it's like a fissure, a crack in the bone. There's nothing you can do. You have to stay off your foot for a long time, and it heals itself. 
I was very upset because I was doing really well in my exercise now kaput, I can't do anything anyway, to make a long story short you know, you get upset and the way after that I realized that I was really wrong that I, did, that I didn't go but at that point I couldn't go my, I couldn't walk and um, I told my Rebbe, Rebbe Gamliel what happened? he said, you're very lucky he says, if you give your word to Rebbe Shimon that you're going to do something and you don't do it then you're in, you're in very big trouble so had you not broken your leg you would have been a pshia you, you made a promise you didn't keep it but now that you broke your leg you're, you're an inus you couldn't go you were hurt you couldn't go so you're very lucky he said that Rav Shimon broke that, that because the doctor looked at him and said he has absolutely my bone mass is the right my everything was correct he says a guy your age stress fracture on a, on a treadmill he said I never saw this before this is a big big surgeon he said this is very unusual they sent me for all kinds of tests bone density because it didn't make sense bone density came back hormone, everything came back normal just so so I'm very careful to go since <laughs> then to make sure that if I can um, you got to keep your word over there it's very very holy it's a very very holy place but anyway it was a lot of is a very very holy day it's not a day to, to, to make yourself crazy it's a it's a very holy day it's supposed to be supposed to learn a little Zion on like Weimar it's a very very holy day because he brought down he brought down all the Nishtra into the world okay but anyway now we have a really good understanding um, a good understanding of this Mishnah and we see the godless of the B'nai Yisachar is that we see that the the late toy that in the in the in the Torah everything right is into the 33rd word everything is into in late Torah we also know what's the last word in the Torah the last word in the Torah is Yisrael at the end of the Torah the last word is Yisrael is a Lamed and the first word in the Torah is a Bez no no I'm sorry yeah the last word is a Lamed and the first day and the first word is a Bez Yisrael's Lev also so we, we know that Lev Toiv is the, is the is by far by far the most important the most important to me is to have a good heart be nice to people be nice to your wife be nice to your parents just be a, be, a, be a good person because the heart as we know pumps blood into, into everybody okay this week's parsha. this week's parsha. I'm like looking at my watch it's 5 after 9 it's like what's going on over here anyway so this week's parsha is Pasha Bahar Pasha Bahar talks about begins and talks about Shemitah right now now Rashi says that Rashi says why specifically when the Torah is telling us the, the mitzvah that was given on the mountain and then it tells us Shemitah there's a lot of other mitzvahs that were given on the mountain right why did the Torah specifically pick a very short Pasha this week why is it right it says wait now Hashem Moshe and Hashem said to Moshe on Har Sinai right and tell them about Shemitah says Rashi he bothers him my Indian Shemitah it's Har Sinai the Halak Kalamitzvah never be Sinai why specifically Shemitah aren't all the mitzvahs given on Sinai Elamash Shemitah never Sinai just like Shemitah had all these different details what you're allowed to do what you're not allowed to do right all these details from Sinai I've called them never Sinai you should know all the details of all the other mitzvahs right all the other mitzvahs were also given on Sinai did that answer the question I didn't answer the question the question is why Shemitah right and the answer is just like Shemitah all the details all the other ones have the details my question is how can you, how can you pick Shemitah to tell us this 
Talk about Shabbos. What has more details than Shabbos? I'm with this from Lachos, right? So I heard an answer. Why specifically Shemitah? Because what is Shemitah? Shemitah is that the seventh year we don't plant. Next year, by the way, Shemitah is Eretz Yisrael. The next year, it's Shemitah. The, the farmer cannot plant anything, and the farmer cannot. He can only pick the food for his own family. So, what is Shemitah? Shemitah is Emuna. For a, imagine if Hashem came to me and said, next year you're not selling any plastic bag. Empty packaging is closed. Just sit back and do nothing. Hello? How am I going to eat? Don't worry about it. Don't worry. You'll get double the year before. I shouldn't work. I shouldn't spend that. Nothing. Not only that, but people come into your warehouse and take your bags to their store for free. I mean, because everyone thinks like, big deal, Shemitah, right? You think about what you do for a business, right? And you're being told for the next year you can't do anything. And by the way, people come in, take your stuff, no problem, whatever you do, come, take, without permission, because that's the farmer. That's, his, that's, that's my stuff. That's my apples. That's my orchard. You know what I mean? Hello, I got millions of apples. You can't come, right? That's what it is. You have to sit back and watch other people take your stuff. The hardest thing in the world. Right? And the answer is, specifically for a farmer. Now, the Gemara says, Tisha Kabin, I don't know if you ever learned this, but that if I, if I let's say I lived in Muncie, I was a kid, I, used, I was very into gardening. So I used to grow tomatoes, and I used to grow cucumbers. Those are two things. I had my little patch of land in the back of my house, and I dug it up, and I put fertilizer in it, and I planted it, and I watered it, and then the rabbits came and started eating my stuff. So I had, yeah, it's Muncie. So I made a, a, a fence around it. I built a fence around it. I built a fence around it, and I, I watched when the tomato comes out, and it's green, and it gets bigger, and it gets orange, and to pick it, it has an unbelievable smell. The stuff that you pick out of the ground, it's like unbelievable. And my cucumbers. Now, finally, I got a pound of tomatoes from all my crop that I got between the rabbits and the birds and everything else. I got this pound of tomatoes. I bring it into my house, right? It's in this basket. My tomatoes. And then someone walks in and takes my pound of tomatoes. So the Gemara says that pound of tomatoes is worth nine pounds. Tisha carbon. Why? Because I put my work into it. But if I went to the store and I paid five dollars for a pound of tomatoes, and you stole my pound of tomatoes, you got to pay me back five dollars one pound of tomatoes. So I didn't do any work for it. When a person works, especially farming, because there's a lot of work in farming. When a person works, it has a very big, a bigger value than to somebody else. My stuff has a bigger value. So now I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, my field, everybody's walking in, walking out with my food. Have a good day, don't forget to take a bracha. Thank you very much. Can I give you a basket to take it out? Can't do nothing. And on top of that, my, my, my field, right, not my, not my orchard, so the stuff from last year, when I harvested all those seeds that I didn't get that fly all over the place, now this year they're growing, right? So I'm also getting a chance to watch my field grow without any of my involvement. To watch Hashem's world grow without me doing anything. I had a very tough week this week, you should know that. It's insane. It's insane. I, I must have gotten 15 emails and I met... Uh, no one believes in Hashem anymore. It's not normal. Like, this kid, this, I had this whole vikuach with a kid for two hours and she's like, I'm not an atheist. I'm agnostic. I'm like, what are you saying? She says, You can't prove me God, but I can't disprove your God. 
I'm like, huh? She goes, that's, that's agnostic. In other words, you can't prove me that there is a God, which I, I try to do. Um, but I can't prove you that there isn't a God, so stalemate. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I said, so what are you going to do in your life? Whatever I want. Just going to live my life. It's not, I hear it all, the, from all, the, all day. I don't know Hashem, not from a very, very, from, very, very from family. Phone call today from another family. I got two boys, I got two kids. They don't believe in anything anymore. It's like, no, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And that really, it says, that in the time of Mashiach, right, that, that, you, that you, you're not allowed to want Mashiach for us. You know, people, we want Mashiach because I'm not doing well in business. We want Mashiach. Somebody died. I want to see them again. Uh-uh. The only reason you have, you want, you have to want Mashiach is because Hashem is in Golas. To show the whole world that there is a God. It's very, very painful. The other day I walked up to the Arna Kodesh. I said, like, I, I, I really can't help you, God. I'm trying my hardest, but it's like really bothers me that you do so much and nobody appreciates it. It's like... You know, you get up in the morning and you're breathing, and the sky is blue, and like this morning, you get at 65 degrees, and, and you can sm- automatically, without even thinking, you see. You don't have to do anything to see, and your feet move automatically, and all this stuff, and they're like, nah, there's no God, you can't prove Him. And I'm like, it just, I just feel bad for Him. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a parent who does everything for their kids, and the kid's like, I don't have no parents, I'm an orphan. It's, it's, he's good. Hashem has to have most amazing patience that he didn't destroy this world yet and just like you know what you don't believe in me so what do I need you for like you know goodbye like, he's got to have the most crazy the craziest rachamim really that's just the craziest rachamim because the godless of God is and I told it to this girl you know what the godless of God is that you're sitting in front of me and you're telling me that you don't believe in him and 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 and, and the big bang theory so, so when I told the big bang theory well well um the the the, the things, the two microns or neutrons that band into each other, even science has to admit that they were created, right? So, so what do you do with that? And she's like, well, well, then God had to be created. If you're, if you're saying that these things had to be created, then God had to be created. And I said, you know what? I'm not going there, but I really don't care. Whether he was created or he wasn't created, or he had the father, a grandfather, a great grandfather, where he comes from, who, what do I care? He created my world. He's the landlord. I don't care about the landlord's father, who he had a father. I'm not saying Hashem had a father. I don't, I don't understand Hashem. I will never understand Hashem, but I do understand. She's a very brilliant girl. I said, but I do understand that Hashem created the world. Right? So, my argument with you is who created the world? My argument is that who is God? I don't know who God is. I know he, he created me and he created the world and he gives good and I know what he does but I don't, do, I, do I know who he is? I don't know who he is. Your goldfish knows that you feed him. Your dog knows that you feed him. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know who your father, what school you went to. He doesn't even know what a cell phone is. They think it's part of our ear. What do you think, what do you think animals when they see people on cell phones? Do you think they understand what's going on? They don't understand what's going on. They're like people have weird ears. One guy has a big white one. One guy has a smaller one. One guy has one that lights up with blue lights, right? Everybody has different ears. But the animal doesn't understand. But that was the taina. That was the taina. Remember when the Nabi was that said that the Jews, the, 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 the Jews, the world, they're not even animals. Because an animal knows its feeder. An animal knows when the farmer comes, he comes to the gate. We don't even come to the gate. So, so the, the Nabi was saying, you don't even know your water trowel. Even your water trowel where the animal knows put it. You don't know nothing. You're in denial. You're, you're in denial of everything. But anyway, so I was going to this whole be cool because this girl, so I said to her, 
this who doesn't have food? Who doesn't have food? I'm not talking about food in physical. Well, the animal comes to the gate. Animal comes to the gate, you bring his food. Right. Right. So if you're comparing us, uh, sure no, I'm saying that the animal. Right. Okay. A lot of the waiting for the gate, but there's no food. Well, who doesn't have food? I'm not talking about food itself. You have life. But so what? Right. The animal says shear every day. The animal knows. The animal has a god. The animal says shear every day. The animal's connected to Hashem way more than we are. The animal's food is your life. So the animal knows, right? The human being, this person, he doesn't know what we are. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know I give shear at night, my goldfish. He knows nothing about me. Absolutely, he doesn't even really, I probably doesn't know what I look like because he's looking through the water. I must have this magnified face, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, so he, and he has no, no idea anything, but he knows, he knows, when that funny thing, which is called a hand, is above his thing, he comes flying up from the bottom of the water to get his food. Our food is life. Everybody has life. If you're dead, this discussion is not happening, right? So everybody has life. That's our food. So what, what the Nubby was saying is, you don't even appreciate who's giving you life. You don't, you deny him. You, someone's giving you life, right? And you deny that. That's the goldfish food. Now, do I need to know, uh, you know, the Zaire says Hashem had worlds before us, and, and, and if there were a million years, or ten million years, very possible, according to the Zaire, what they're, what they're finding is not, is not, they're finding a fossil that's ten million years old. The Zaire says that there were thousands of worlds before us. So it could be this world was destroyed a thousand times, and not fossils from who knows when. Plus, the the Noyach's the, table, the water was very hot from the Tahayim, and that pressure, and a fossil is pressure. So there's a certain amount of pressure if, it, if it's left alone, so that this leaf would take two million years to make an impression on that rock, just sitting there like that. But, if you had millions of pounds of pressure of water pushing that leaf on the rock, then it would make it go much, 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 much faster. So now your fossil, which took for whatever it took, in, 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 it's way, way much faster than it would have just be left alone. Were there dinosaurs? Probably. It says that, 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 that all the animals, there were only, the trace animals, there were only two, right, two pairs that came in. Did they die out? Could they have gone extinct after the, after the table? Absolutely. Could they have not gotten into the table? Absolutely. Even though it says that they took appear of every animal, but I saw somewhere that if the animal was a bad animal, it did things that it wasn't supposed to because they were doing things that were, then they were destroyed. They were not brought into the table. So were they dinosaurs? Very possible they were dinosaurs. Who said they weren't dinosaurs? You're talking four animals coming out of the table of a species. For that to go extinct? Today, we have the, the white tiger, right? I don't know if there's, I think there's 120 white tigers in the world, and if we didn't protect them, they would be extinct. So, that's not four. There were a lot of white tigers, white hippos, all these different animals that are going extinct, that we're, the bald eagle, that we're protecting. They weren't protecting anything in those days. So it's not far-fetched that there were dinosaurs and trinosaurs and all kinds of other animals that didn't make it. There were only four. Only four came out of the table. They could have died easily. So, all these things are not... But what does that mean? What do I care? What does that mean? What? So, what Hashem is... You know, I don't even know where you find that after 120 years. I don't know what you see and what you don't see. The kids, he's my master, he's my creator. That's all I need to know, that's my relationship. So I told this girl, I don't need to know, but I do know that nothing comes from nothing. So then, I told her, and she's really smart. I told her, I said, I said, if you're now, she's only 16. 
I said, if you're not, if you're not willing to study God, you'll never know Him. You'll always be in denial. I mean, she has a different reason for being in denial. Because you don't get rid of God for no reason. There's always a reason that you get rid of God. But forget about that reason that she has. She has a reason that... Whatever. Um, you have to come to the conclusion that as a human being, you're very restricted. We are very restricted. I mean, we are... We are, we are even on the animal chain, we are very little. I mean, any animal can run faster than us. Birds can fly higher than us. Fish can be in the ocean, underneath the ocean. We go in, we drown. These little things with spins and skin, right? We're, we're not, you know, one little cell, cancerous cell, destroys the whole human being. Um, an elephant, you want to shoot it, you got to have an elephant gun with a bullet this big. A human being, you have a teeny little bullet, he's gone. Our, our, uh, the thickness of our skin is an eighth of an inch. Most animals, it's, an, it's more than an inch, right? We're not, we're not a beautiful being. If we were in a cage, undressed, animals would not come to the zoo to see us. Right? Because we're, we're downright pretty ugly. Animals, they're beautiful. Giraffe, look at those, and, and, and a tiger, and a zebra. Gorgeous, right? We don't got no stripes, right? And we don't got no dots. And if we have dots, you don't want to see it, right? So, so yeah, we're, we're, an ugly, we're an ugly animal. And we can't run as fast as them. We can't fly. We can't swim on the water. We're very restricted. We are greater than the animal for two reasons. Dibur, we can talk, communicate, which we don't do anymore because we're, we have phones. So we're like, we're like them already, that's for sure. We don't talk anymore. And the ability to, to process and to think. They don't think. They go according to their instincts. Those are the two things. We have the that's thinking. We have choice. It's not our, it's not our type of talking. It's a different Debor. They're not a Debor. They're called Chai. So I don't know what they say to each other, but it's not on our, on our level. In other words, a bird doesn't tell another bird, I love you, will you marry me? That's not what they say. I think what they talk is their Shira, and I think what they talk might be what's going on in the world. It's not... It's not relationship talk. In other words, they don't talk to each other. A cow doesn't walk over to another cow and it says moo. It's not saying, it's not saying in a different language, I like you. So when they, the, noise, the talking that they do is maybe about the oilum, but there's no relationship. You, know, you, know, you, you never saw cows talking to each other and that, that type of thing. So it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a relationship type of talk. But they do, they do sing shira. I mean, crickets sing shira. All of them sing shira. But these are just, these are noises. It's not, it's not us. It's not an ABC. It's not an ABC, and they can't learn a, a bird, right? Can't can't bark, and a dog can't say meow. If it does, we got maybe now in our generation, maybe it'll happen, but they can't. They can't because so we. I can learn Hebrew, English, Yiddish, Spanish, French, all these different languages. They can't. So we're on a, we're on a, we're on a different level today. Pretty much, we don't think and we don't talk. We're on phone, so pretty much we're getting there. We're going down. But but we're not we're not a beautiful such an intelligent you know such a beautiful animal. We're not fast. We're not strong. Most animals will rip you to pieces, right? So, so in the animal kingdom, we're very weak. We need weapons. They don't need weapons. They kill each other with strength. We need weapons. So, so the, 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 the level of a human being, our godless, is the, is the way to, is expression, thinking, bechira, you know, and making choices. Anyway, so I told this girl, I said, if you, if you, if you really want to know if there's a God, you need to study him. And you need to study his creation. I said, it's like, it's like, I love paintings. I'm very into paintings. 
Right? So if you study Picasso, you're, you're an art student, and you study Picasso, and I put 20 paintings in this room, you'll be able, without any names on the bottom, no signatures, you, that's Picasso, that's Picasso, that, that guy tried to copy a Picasso, but that's not a real Picasso. I'll be able to tell you what's real, and I'll be able to tell you what's not real. It's like Coca-Cola. I used to drink probably five or six or maybe eight cans of Coke a day when I was playing ball, when I was young. Because I would play ball, I played a lot of ball, and I would just guzzle Coca-Cola. Now, my friend, I told my friend that, and I could probably still do it today. I'm sure I could still do it today. I told my friends, forget about a taste test. Because they were saying, you don't know the difference between Pepsi and Coke. If we put them in two cups and mixed them around, you would never know. I said, guys, 10 out of 10, I will smell it and tell you which one's Coke and which one's Pepsi. And they're like, no way. I hit 10 out of 10. I can do it today also. Because I was such a, I drank so much. I want to say, I was such a Coke head. That's not, that's not good. I can't, can't say that today. I drank so much Coca-Cola that I could smell the difference. I can do it today also, for sure. So, because Pepsi has a little bit more of a metal smell. Whatever, if you drank a lot of Coke, you wouldn't say that. So, so because I drank a lot of Coke, I knew the difference. You couldn't fake me. RC, Pepsi, no matter how, whatever you try, you could not fake me. This is Coca-Cola. I didn't want to drink anything else. I wouldn't drink anything else. So, something that you study, something that you get used to, you know what's really, not, not only can I tell you who's Picasso, but I can tell you that one looks like one, but it's not. So I said to this girl, you're coming into a room and you're saying, I don't believe, you didn't study. So it's like coming into the room and saying, I don't believe Picasso. I don't believe Picasso ever did a painting. I don't believe in art. I think that painting, just someone spilled over a bunch of stuff, a cat hit it, and it happened. So you're an idiot. If you think that Picasso happened because a cat hit, was, in a, was in a paint store and it just fell onto the canvas, you're stupid. Right? You're ignorant. Now, I can't tell that to you. If you went to art school, and you learned every, every brush stroke and the different colors and the different pastels and the different canvases and how the person's brush stroke was from left to right or right to left or up and down or side, how he painted, and you studied all that, then you're not going to tell me I don't believe, then you think a bunch of cats did it because you will understand that to paint a painting is crazy intelligence. The same thing with music. We have a musician in the room. If I'm going to tell you Right? If I'm going to tell you that Beethoven was not a musician. He just sat in front of a piano and just kept hitting his, putting his fingers down. And guess what happened? He wrote the fifth. Right? He wrote the fifth by doing that. So he's going to sit there in the back and say, Robert Wallstein, I used to come to Yeshira, but now I am not coming anymore. You, how could you even say that? Beethoven wrote, was he deaf or blind? Yeah. He was deaf. He was, he was deaf, okay? He wrote crazy music, so if you study it, you understand the godless of Beethoven. Now, most of us in this room, if he would come in and we're like, okay, we hired him tonight for Lagba Omer. And he's going to be the player for Lagba Omer, right? He's a musician. And he sits down here and plays Beethoven. We're going to fire him. Are you crazy? You're playing Beethoven? We're all sleeping, right? We're all falling asleep. But the truth is that if a musician came in here or a music teacher came in here or a conductor came in here and heard him playing the piano, playing a Beethoven, he would just sit there fascinated.
We are like, come on, put us on Shrekki, man. Like, what are you doing, right? Shrekki's better than Beethoven. Those are people who don't understand music. Shrekki's good, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get angry at me. But those are people who don't understand Beethoven. Shrekki's good if you don't understand Beethoven. Shrekki and Beethoven in the same breath? Even Shrekki will tell you he's crazy. So I said, I said this to this girl, I said, you, 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 you never studied music. You never studied art. You're talking about God? You, you don't know the basis of, 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 of a plant. You're talking about God? I said, do me a favor. Study God. If you study God, she goes, you can't study God. You can't see Him. How do you study God? She said, I'm not going to tell you through Svarim because the intelligence of a person, you can definitely find God. Hello, come on. 33rd word is Taiv. Lamed Bey, 32 words. And the Tana says, Leif Taiv. He does Hashem just happened to make the 33rd word Tov, 32 words before that to tell us Leif Tov. So you're an idiot if you think that just happened. Right? So, so if you study it, and you study Gematria, you study, 100% you'll find God. There's no question. Okay, but I can't tell that to a 16-year-old girl. She's not studying, she's not, she's not opening up a B'nai Saska, Right? I can't tell that to a 16-year-old girl. So what I told her was, study nature. Study his creations. Study the human body. Study what he's created. Study Beethoven. Study Picasso. So that, when I walk out in the morning, and I looked at the sky this morning, I saw Hashem's signature without, there's no signature. I didn't say you came up here on the sky. But I know God, and I understand creation. So when I look at flowers on my front trees that were dead two weeks ago, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm having pink snow. My trees are snowy pink. My, my grandchildren want to know, is that snow? Right? And all, everything's blossoming. I know that on that bottom of the pink tree, there's a, little, there's a signature, Yud Kei But if you don't study it, then, then there's no such thing. There's no such painting. So I told her, which I find fascinating, right? And I said, I'll just give you, I'll give you a little example. I said, the firefly. So you have this little bug that flies around, and he lights up. And I'm a kind of kid that said, I don't understand. If God, you're going to create an insect that it's behind, lights up, make it a mosquito. So when he's flying around my room, I know exactly where he is, and I can whack him. Right? That would be great. We'll put it on his, you know, put it on his needle. You know, front light instead of a back light, right? Oh, mosquito, whack. What did the firefly do, right? So Google it. Google firefly. And see what the scientists say. Why does a firefly light up? How does it work, first of all? Isn't that crazy? No battery, no electricity, and this bug is crazy. You put them in a jar, 20 of them, your mamish can read by it. Serious. The only problem is that you can only read every 10 seconds. <laughs> it goes back out, and, then you, and, and you also have to get them all to time at the same time, right? But no, it really lights up. It's very cool, but it's not. It's Tabal Chaim. You're really not allowed to do it. And they're a teeny little bug. Hashem, why? Why Hashem? You created the world. Why? Why don't you put the light in the back of a dog or an elephant or something like that, right? Or a human being. Why, why, why are you doing this in a bug? And how does it work? The chlorophyll, the light. Okay. So you Google it. And this is what the scientists say. Mother Nature. Right? Which is Father God. Just a, just a different name for Father God is Mother Nature. Because they want to be politically correct. Can't say Father God. So it's like Mother Nature. You know? Okay. Right? So they want to be political. So Mother Nature, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Not in their world, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mother Nature is so perfect. That this is, this is wild. You can Google it, you'll see that I'm not telling you a story. So the firefly's blood 
is sort of like green, it's like chlorophyll. And insects eat other insects. You know when? Not during the day. At night. Insects eat insects at night. Now, how do they eat them? From the back. Right? Like fish. Fish don't eat other fish. No, they do. Fish eat from the back. No, from the back, right. Fish eat from the back. They grab from the back, they get and they kill it. So so Bugs eat other bugs. Now the way it works in the bug world is the same way it works in the animal world. The, the big bug eats the little bug who eats, you know, each bug its size eats the bug that's a little bit smaller than it. The firefly's blood is very bitter. So if a bug comes, and let's say it didn't have the light in the back, right? And a bug would come and it would see another bug flying and it would go and it would bite into it, it would spit it out. And Mother Nature Right, Father God, Mother Nature, right? Mother Nature is so perfect that it would not allow an insect to die for no reason. So the reason that, that the big insect eats the small insect, what do they call that? The, um, there's a word for it. <coughs> what? It's a, that the big eats the small, the, 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 the greater eats the smaller, whatever it is. That whole system, right, is to keep the bigger one alive. That's how it eats. But if he's going to, kill the firefly and then spit him out so there's no reason to kill the firefly he's being wasted so mother nature knowing that his blood is bitter and no other bug will they will bite, right so put a little light on the back flashing saying firefly don't don't eat me because don't kill me because you're not going to eat me so it's the to protect the firefly from being killed for nothing mother nature I'm reading this and I'm like, God, I love you. But this is crazy. You're worried? You know how big a firefly is? This big. This big. You're worried that some little bug is going to die for no reason? So you create something crazy. You guys don't even understand this. You create in a bug that it lights up? It's not normal, you understand? We have cars with batteries to do this. That you have a tail light, right? We've caused the batteries. He made a bug when he created the world, and he made this bug with a little light so that, uh-uh-uh, firefly, don't bite me, because you're going to spit me out for no reason. So he created this whole bria, so good, a bunch of fireflies will be eaten, they'll be spit out, big deal. It's not going to change any of our lives. No, Hashem created a world, nothing dies for no reason, even an insect. So if you, if you know that, you're going to walk around and say that there's no creator? He's worried about bugs? So you don't think he's worried about us? You don't think he cares about us? So, yes, the more you study and the pearl and the butterfly, as you know, my whole Onava started from the butterfly. But it's not, it's not even that. It's, it's the world. And the, to me, that the sun rises exactly when it's supposed to every day. Those of you who never on time. But for me, it's amazing. Since the creation of the world, how can you deny God? The sun never makes a mistake. Every day, it rises and sets exactly the time that it's supposed to set. And it's supposed to rise. Hello? So, what's their answer? Mother Nature. Mother Nature. Mother Nature is, is just another word, for, really, for, 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 for Father HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay. And, and that's this week's parasha, Ishmita. This week's parasha, Ishmita, is... A few weeks ago, it said, Hashem said, You sit back and I'll take care of business. Shemitah is to remind us every seventh year... Hello, you're working, you're planting, I'm doing all this. It's not your land. People can come and eat anytime they want. And it's not even your energy. I will show you a field grow without you doing anything. 
because I'm the one who created the world. And, and, and every seven years, because after six years, you pretty much forget who the creator is. There's also a very beautiful reason, and I'll, I'll, maybe we'll, we'll make our own minion in here. Um, there's a very beautiful shot that there are two months a year that the Jews, and then I'll, I'll you read your short story that's mind-boggling, the power of a person. Uh, we spoke about it last week, that if you break your Midos and you break your Teva, you can create miracles. I'm going to show you this week. A, a tzaddik who brought God to Dintaira in this world. He brought to Dintaira, he brought God to Dintaira, and he won. That's pretty wild. I'm going to read it. It's a two-minute story. But anyway, um, what I want to tell you, there's something else I want to tell you before this. You want to go right to the story? You want to tell you something else? I forgot. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go to the story. It'll, 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 it'll come back to me. Okay, anyway, so that's it. Shemitah is... Oh, I know what I tell you. So two months a year... ADD, I got much better in this. Two, two months a year, the Jews didn't learn. We were all farming. We were all farming there at Israel. So the, the, the month of Nisan was when we planted. And the month of Tishrei is when we harvested. So that's when every, all the men were in the fields. We didn't have time to learn. So two months a year, ten months a year, we used to sit and learn. Because when the stuff's growing, you don't have to go work. Right? So those ten months, we didn't have to do anything. But for, for those two months, we used to... We were, we were all not in Kyle those two months. So therefore, after six years... Right? After six years... We, we had missed learning a full year. Because if every, every year is two months, Tishrei and Nisan, after six years is 12 months. So on the seventh year, we had to make up for a whole year, because in Shemitah we all learned the whole year, there was nothing to do. So we made, every six years, you owe a year of learning. So we, Hashem gave us Shemitah the seventh year, that that whole year you should sit and learn. Okay. Listen to the story. It's a two-second story. This is a story about the Saba Kadisha. Now, he lived in I don't know where that is. Anyway, I think it was in Russia somewhere. Anyway, he was very. Saba Kadisha has many, many stories about him. But it was a very big. There was a very big hunger, and the Jews were suffering very bad. The He used to collect money and support all the orphans and poor persons, people, the galay, the censor, in the open and hiding. Uprat special laalmanos to widows and yeshayim. And, and orphans. Okay. He was like their father. But because there was a huge hunger that year, he couldn't help them. And never all these people were crying and starving to death. And they brought their babies and they were starving to death. And he couldn't handle it. So, after many weeks, it's a crazy story. He was, he, um, he, 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 what's it called? He felt very bad about what they, what they were going through. Um, and he couldn't handle it. And what happened is, he says that um, the roads were also, the problem was, the reason that, the reason that there was a rub, there was a hunger, is all the roads in, Rus- in Russia were, seemed to have been overflowed and closed and they, they couldn't, um, they couldn't get the, uh, they couldn't get the food. They couldn't get the food through. Anyway, so, but he, he called, Saba Kadisha wrote ten letters to ten tzaddikim, and he said, I want you to come to my city right now. They came to him, and they sat on the table, a big table, and he said the following. I want you to know, I'm calling God to a din Torah. 
And you, can you imagine? I'm sure they weren't very happy about this. And you're going to be the judges to who's right. Halachically, the person who wants something, right, has to um, go to the place to the, to the place where the person he wants from. He says, I can't. I can't go up to Shemayim. Therefore, Hashem has to come to us. Okay. So, they davened. Um, and <coughs> the Saba Kedisha called his shamus and he said he wants him to scream out loud. In the name of the great congregation that's gathered here today, I am, I am announcing Shaharav Rabbi Ben Rachel, that was his name, that the Rabbi Rabbi Ben Rachel, I am calling God, I am calling Hashem for Din and I'm calling this judgment in this room in three days. So he, he called Hashem out to a din in three days. These poor judges. They sat and they fasted. And they davened. No human being was allowed into that room. When it came to the fourth day, they all sat around the table on chairs. They're, they were wrapped in their talisim. And they were all wearing trillin. Praise be the eye who saw these ten, what they look like. The Sabbath Kedisha told his Shamesh to announce that the Din Torah now is beginning. And the Shabbat stood outside the door in case they'll need books. And now the Shabbat Kedisha, he gets first. He's, he's a Tevea. He's the, uh, the lawyer that's, I guess, the prosecuting lawyer. And he said the following. I'm not, I'm not going to read you the whole thing. In the name of all the children and women in the land of, of Russia. I am bringing God to a Din Torah. Why isn't God giving them to eat? See what you were saying. Why did God make an edict that they have to die in a hunger? Isn't it true that since God gave us the Torah, doesn't, listen to this, it's unbelievable. If God, if you gave us the Torah, don't you have to keep the Torah? It's pretty scary. Right? So this is what he's saying to Hashem. He's saying, if you gave us the Torah, you've got to keep the Torah. The Kedosh comes with Torah, doesn't it say in the Torah, Ki li b'nei Yisrael avadim avadayhem? Doesn't it say that in the Torah that Hashem says that the Jewish nation are my servants? They are my servants. Okay, whatever. That, we're, that, we, are, that we are considered an Eved Ivri. And doesn't it say that if you have an Evid Ivri, right, you're Mechaev and his Mizainais. If you have an Evid, you have to feed him. You have to take care of him. He said, so, and, okay, so bottom line is, you are Mechaev and the Zionists of him and his wife. I am claiming to you, God, in the name of all the children and the women, if Yochal Hashem is brought plaster, how can you make a, a joke out of your own Torah? Pretty heavy. Chas v'shalom. You have two choices, he said to Hashem. Either give them to eat, 
or erase it all from the Torah. These ten words that we are one of Imo in Bal Ishu who Yatsa Ishtai. He says, Vahina Yadati, I know, Shemakatra Gitan Son of Shem is Baraf. So he said, This is unbelievable. He says, Now I know that the, that, that the Mekatrik, the Satan, is now going to answer to God and say, Shahavadim Enu Aizen Kuroi. You're right, you have to give a servant to eat if he's doing his job. But the Jews are not doing their job. Right? They're not serving Hashem correctly. He said, but I'll answer you with two answers. Where did it say in the Torah that if the, if the Jewish slave is lazy and he's not doing his job, that you don't have to feed him? The Torah doesn't say that. The Torah doesn't say, you only have to give him the Zionists if he's doing his job. Where did it say in the Torah? If he's doing his job, he's lazy, you don't have to feed him. It doesn't say that anywhere. So first of all, you have to, you have to give him the Zionists. Two, one. He says, and two... The reason that we're not being able to do our work is your fault. Right? Why is it your fault, Hashem? Shehem ibn Cholem, that's a Yetzirah. You sent us the Yetzirah, and he's continually making us do our virus. So from both sides, you don't have a right not to give us Messiahs. One, where the saying Ebed doesn't do his job, should he get fed? And two, it's your fault we're not doing our job. So that's not our fault. If you tie up the Ebed and put him in a bed, and he can't do his job, so you still have to give him the Zionites. You create the Yitzhahara, and he's making us crazy. Okay? So that's what he said. I'm going to tell you what happened. Don't worry. Okay. So, when he finished, they thought about what the halacha should be, the dayanim. And the Sabbath Kedisha stood on the side, he was quiet. So these ten people got up and screamed out loud. Hadin, the halacha is, in Rabbi Leiv ben Rachel. Shashem is born, Mechuyev. That God is God has to give food to the wives of Yisrael with their children and their daughters. Just like the Bezin Shalmata passing this halacha, Kenyaskim a Bezin Shalmala. They said this three times. And after they passed in this, the Sabbath Kadisha said, Bring schnapps. Bring whiskey and lekach with 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 cake. and they all drank lechayim. B'sim charaba. Ba'achul kulim biyachat udas reyim. They had a big meal. Ulifnai se'erav nasim kol echad lebeisai. And everybody went home. Ba'acha chamisha yamim. After five days, nasa hapelaka hagadol. It was a big miracle. When this process we call itonim, and it was it was it was spread out. It was publicized in all the newspapers. Shem Medina Sabir. This is a true story. From Siberia, Matchil Lahavi Eretz Russia, from Siberia they began to bring into Russia Alfei Alafim Koyrim Chitim, tens of thousands of pounds of wheat, the Chomine Dagan, and all kinds of grain. Why? Kisham Hayutuiz Leroy Bezol Ma'id. Because in Siberia they had a lot of crops and a lot of grain. Rak, Shlahayolahem Drachim, Taivim, Lahayolahem Dinas Russia. The roads were closed. So they couldn't get it to Russia. But after Nimsu Drachim Taivim, all of a sudden, the roads dried up and they became 
good roads. When everyone heard that there's a lot of wheat and, and, and grain coming from Siberia, the price went way down. All the, all the people who had the wheat and stuff that they were holding back because they were getting crazy money because there, there, there was a hunger. Now they're like, oh my God, if I don't sell it now, Siberia is flooding the, 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 the market with grain. We're going to get no money. So they opened up all their stuff and they started flooding the market with food. After one month, and there was a lot of food for the rest of the year. You see, it's unbelievable. So, what's the story? Why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you the story? Because at the end of the day, this is very tied in to last week's year. At the, at the end of the day, he's did the MS. He, this big tzaddik, we can't do it. He went, we could do it, that's not true, because, because if a person breaks his tzaddik, he has that krach, that's what we said last week. He was said to our Baruch Hu, bottom line, it says in the Torah, that, that we're avadim, and avadim you have to feed, and yechayim is very nice, and I, I'm bringing it to din, right? And the Yetzirah got up and said, well, they're not great heaven, but that's not what it says. But, but I don't think that we understand our strength, our krach, when it comes to dealing with our Baruch Hu. A person who's MS, and he's, and he, again, if the, if the, these ten tzaddikim, and the Sabbath Kedisha, didn't keep the Torah, then Hashem could have said to them, your time to me is that it says in the Torah that an Eved has to give food to his, uh, a rabbi, a master, has to give food to his avadim, why do I, why do I have to keep that? If you don't, you're, if you're not keeping the Torah, then I don't have to. So, you can say, you, you, you can ask for certain things, if you're, if you yourself don't do that, I was telling to the ladies last night at Muncie, you, you, if you give other people ayin you, you can't you can't get rid of an ayin hara. Because if you open up other people's books, then they have a right to open up your books. But if you don't do that, then they don't have, they, they don't have a right to do that to you. So the, the way a person behaves in his life, everything in Shemayim, we should write a, a book on Midah Kedegah Midah, not, not only on, on Akar Satov, everything that a person does in his life, he has the crack, his crazy crack, look at this, he took a shem to a din Torah, right? Because he himself, Kept the Torah. So, the, the, otherwise the Torah says, well, well, he's quoting the Torah. This guy's quoting the Torah. He has nothing to do with the Torah. Okay, anyway, listen to this. It's one line from the Chicken Soup of the Soul. It's, it's amazing. i got to end with this. This, 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 is, this is a wow. And the line is as follows. I, I talk a lot about, I'm dealing with a lot of kids that are going through a lot of stuff. And, um, don't, and, and, and the, main, the main problem today, I'm finished, it's like an hour and a half, like the old days. Uh, my wife's going to kill me. But anyway, um, so, so the, the, main, the main problem with how we deal with problems is that we, 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 we fix the symptoms. Oh, this kid's on drugs, right, whilst we talk to him. Right? This kid's Michal Shabbos, right, whilst we talk to him. This girl is self hurting herself, right, whilst we talk to her. Right? Uh, this kid is totally out of control. And I, I told the parents, I said, those are symptoms. Someone's doing drugs. It's not. The sickness is not the drugs. It's what's driving him to need anesthesia. In other words, he's in pain and he doesn't want to be connected to himself. So, so, so don't deal with the drugs because you can, you're going to get him off this drug, he's going to need something else for anesthesia. So he's going to start gambling. You're going to get him off gambling, you're going to start being with girls. You're going to get him off girls, he's going to do something else. Fix what's bothering him. You fix what's bothering him, right? You, you, you take the pill because you have strep and all the symptoms, the headache, the fever, the diarrhea, the rash, it's all gone with one pill. But if you're going to take care of the diarrhea, it's going to come with a rash. You can take it a rash, you're going to have a headache. You take it a headache, you're going to have a... And in the end, it's going to keep happening over and over because you didn't, you didn't get rid of the strap. 
So one of the biggest problems today is the therapy that we're working on is, okay, I gotta work on this problem of this kid that she's doing, drug, drug therapy. No, I can't get rid of what, what's causing that. Is it low self-esteem? Is it abuse? Where's the pain coming from? Pain can come from many different places. Right? Where is it coming from? Once I know where it's coming from, I can cure it. If I don't know where it's coming from, right, the main thing when a person's sick is to find out why he's sick. Then you can have the medicine. If you don't know why, the worst thing is where the doctor, 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 and like, I don't know, there's something there. You know, it's nerves. You know, the guy's head is falling off his, his shoulders, and it's like going to this doctor, uh, it's nerves. It's tension, you know? And you're like, tension? What should I do? Nothing. Just relax. I'm in, I'm in crazy pain. You want to say it's strep. You know what I mean? It's migraines. You got to take this medicine. There. You don't want. I don't know what it is. So, I saw an amazing line when I was preparing the shit today. Once in a while, I look through this. I saw an amazing line with his mamish. What I was saying, but in a much deeper way. It's a proverb. It's a proverb. Don't look where you fall, but where you slipped. Now listen carefully to what they're saying. In other words, right? Where you slipped is a disease, not where you fall. You slipped on a piece of ice, and then you fell and broke your arm, right? What's going to stop you from breaking your arm again? Not where you fell and broke your arm, but not to, slip, not to walk on the ice. It's not where you fell, it's what caused you to fall. It's not the drugs, it's what caused you to go into the drugs. It's not the atheism. Why did you, why did, why are you a 40 year old Jew or a 16 year old girl in a religious house and wakes up in the morning like, I don't believe in God? That's where you fell. But what did you trip over? And that's what I asked this girl, like, what did you trip over? What happened? What did you see on the internet? No, I said, what did you see on the internet? Who hurt you? Who, who, who said something to you in class? What friend dropped you? But where's your pain? There's, the, the, the fall is that you're an atheist. But where did you slip? It's godless, this word. Don't focus on the fall. What, where did you slip? Because if you don't focus on that, you focus on where you fell. Oh man, I fell on, I, I fell on, the, on the concrete, I broke my arm. Well, guess what? You're gonna fall on the concrete 10 more times if you don't take care of the puddle. Not the concrete, it's the puddle. We're busy taking care of the concrete. Oh my God, look what she's doing, look what he's doing. We're busy taking care of where you fell. That's not the problem, it's where you slipped, that's the problem. If you fix where you slipped, you will not fall. If you fix where you fell, but you don't fix where you slipped, you will fall again. It's a godless word. It's a godless word. It really is. It's very, it's a godless, it's, it's what I'm saying. That's what a person, what, what, you have to go inside yourself, you have to find the cause, not the effect. We deal with effect. We need to find the cause. If you find the cause, you change the effect. You find out why you, where you slipped, you change the fall. May we all be zaychet to get rid of all the slippery things in our lives. Fall no more. There's another proverb that says, you can fall seven times as long as you get up eight. Have a good night. Hatzlacha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.